Hi and welcome to another edition of Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier and today talking to one of Australia's best, Chris Masters, an investigative journalist of the finest order in this country and a man who's uh, been in the news a lot of late because of the uh, the case uh, between himself, uh, Nick McKenzie, the Channel 9 organisation and, uh, of course, uh, Ben Robert-Smith. Now, this case has played out over all the news channels, over all newspapers, over magazines, and now Chris has sat down and written a book about uh, the entire escapade. So we'll uh, have a chat to Chris about uh, all that, um, what he's been through in the last, uh, well, particularly the last couple of years with the court case, but uh, this uh, has uh, something that's been uh, in his life since the early 2000s. So a fascinating story, a really important story, and a terrific bloke to have a chat to. We'll get to Chris in just a tick. But a reminder about our fabulous podcast partners, and that, of course, is CSCG. When it comes to finance, they are the people to talk to. Just pick up the phone and give them a call on double nine seven four eight triple three. They'll help you achieve your financial goals. They'll help you set financial goals. They'll help you know where your finances are going, uh, how many, <laughs> how much you've got, what you can do with it, uh, and uh, how you can build it and make it uh, exactly what you want it to be. So give them a call and have a chat. Double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on their website cscg.com.au. Flawed hero, truth, lies, and war crimes by Chris Masters. Let's talk about it. A- amazing time in your life. I'm, I'm imagining that you're probably still finding your feet in many ways. Yes, I'm still coming up for for air. You know, we, we were sweating like mad before the judgment came in. And then weeks later, Nick McKenzie and me have books out, so uh, we're 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 both sort of uh, doing the rounds. Uh, it, it's been, you know, a, a quite a, a busy time. Scary, uh, terrific to get a good judgment. Of course, you know we're now facing up to a, an appeal, so uh, a, another chapter to play out. Yeah. Re- relieved that the judgment was was so strongly in our favour. Uh, I. Uh, I can't say that either of us were particularly joyful and triumphant because, you know, it is such a gruelling process that it's never, never easy to feel good about defamation matters. A gruelling process both physically and, and mentally, and I'm sure that, you know, as you're walking up the steps of the court on, on Judgment Day that there were mixed feelings? Yes, I mean, uh, we had reason to to be optimistic in that we knew we'd run a good case. I remember one of the lawyers saying he didn't think we could have done better. And it was clear from the body language of the other team that uh, that they looked like they were in trouble, not that they were ever vocally exhibiting anything to that effect. Uh, then when Ben Robert Smith himself didn't turn up on the day, you had to wonder. He turned up on every other day. Uh, but... Uh, we weren't just fighting a substantial public figure and uh, and Kerry Stokes as, as millions uh, and three senior counsel. We were fighting burden of proof. Um, we never think the courts are particularly friendly to media, and uh, we knew that we were we were up against burden of proof uh, uh, as well as a as a determined uh, opposition. You say the courts aren't usually friendly to media. In fact, media is not usually friendly to media in these cases, and certainly this was absolutely the case here. Yeah, that, that's a good point, an interesting one. You know, when we, Nick and I turned up on that day uh, for the judgment, it was the biggest media scrum that I'd ever seen. 
And I thought it was kind of ironic in a way because most of them who were there had been opposed to us. They'd fought us all the way. This, this is the way it goes in the media. It's a very competitive environment. Uh, but I also wondered whether that in many respects they also kind of knew in the back of their minds that if we lost, they also lost. All of a sudden they became part of the team as opposed to part of the opposition, which is a really interesting change in the uh, in the positioning. Yes, well, I, I think that, uh, you know, lots of people in the media get sued. We, we d- do feel that, you know, we've got a high bar to climb over. Um, that a bad judgment for us uh, would have made life difficult for them as well. But, of course, it, it didn't stop them sinking the boot in. Yeah. One, one headline afterwards in one of the papers was the truth wins, uh, and that's, that's a fabulous headline to have, but it's not always the case, is it? No, it, it isn't, and it might not have been the case in, in our matter. I mean, I boiled it down at the end of the day to a battle between truth and power, Uh, and uh, the other side had a lot of power because they had a lot of money. Uh, Ben Robert Smith had a lot of power by virtue of his own status and position, you know, a very senior figure, the the general manager of Channel 7 in in Queensland and, of course, a Victoria Cross recipient, uh, widely honoured, many members of the public, uh, obviously didn't even like the idea of his reputation being uh, challenged. So we were, we were up against public opinion as well. When, uh, when this sort of started to develop and you started to, to realise you had, a, you had a, a story to write and that it was not going to be a story that a lot of people wanted to know about for, for all the, the obvious reasons, did you uh, sort of second-guess yourself at any stage and think, oh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't or maybe we should or were you, were you always – uh, 100% committed to, to telling this story? Well, I was 100% committed to following the truth wherever it took me. Yeah. Um, so that was the story. But, but you've hit on a good point. I mean, did I really want to go down that path? To be absolutely honest with you, I didn't. You know, I'm 74 years old now. When I started to skirmish with Ben Robert Smith in 2017, I knew that I was taking on an icon, and uh, one of my colleagues said to me at the time, it's like shooting Bambi, you know. So when I spoke with him in order to reconcile some competing accounts of an action that that he'd participated in back in 2006, um, to be honest with you, I really hoped he had a good explanation and that I wouldn't get into a fight. I mean, who would want to get into a fight with Australia's most decorated seven-foot-tall uh, soldier? Yeah, yeah. Was was it an exhausting process for you to go through, uh, you know, what, what you've been through in the last sort of four or five years? It was. I, I it, It's more like 40 or 50 years in a way, though, because, uh, uh, you know, I've had my death by a thousand courts. I've been through a lot of big matters in the past. Uh, yeah. And 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 that wears at you, but it also strengthens you too. You know, I I, I knew what I was in for. I was somewhat conditioned to to what was ahead of me, and uh, because I had Nick McKenzie as well with me in the fight, that that was a significant comfort for me. Some of the earlier defamation matters that I've been on, I felt very lonely because I felt like I was pretty much on my own, you know. Yeah. But uh, but Nick and I, uh, I shared it and that was important. 
I'll ask this, and it's probably not a fair question, but if Nick hadn't been involved, would you do you reckon that you would have seen this all the way through? Probably not. I mean, I think I was crucial to the first half of the project making it work, uh, and I think he was crucial to the second half of the project. When I teamed with Nick in 2017, um, I was a freelance reporter. I mean, he became aware of these matters because I'd been working on a book. So I wasn't really employed by anybody. And uh, there's no way that you could ever publish this story without the substantial backing of a major media organization. And uh, Nick was uh, fully employed at at the age Sydney Morning Herald, as it you know, became Channel Nine uh, at the time, and uh, and so you know he he not only brought to the matter um, a, a determination and a full time career of his own, you know, some significant skills, but uh, but but that organisation. Yeah, were you surprised that you got the backing from from the Nine Network that that you got? Um, gratified, uh, maybe a, a little bit surprised. I mean, I still look back on the decision to publish in midway through 2018 as being one of the the, the great ep- epic cho- decisions that was made by by management. I can see why they they wouldn't have wanted to take it on. Uh, it was a brave thing to do. The 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 strength of the evidence that we had at the time wasn't anything like the strength of the evidence that we needed ultimately to defend it, the story in, in a court. Um, so, so look, I mean, I've been through this before too with the ABC. So, you know, we like to think that in journalism decisions are made on, on editorial principles and not just um, economic principles. Uh, but, but the fact that uh, so much money was at stake was obviously something that was going to worry me. You can get lost in the story, though, and entwined in the story yourself a bit too much to have that kind of objective view. Where, where did where did that come from? Did that come from the the nine people, or did that come from uh, someone uh, next to you helping you? Because you can't you can lose yourself in stories sometimes. You can, but I mean, you've got strong editors, and they will say to you, "Come on, how do you back this up?" Uh, the lawyers will will say much the same. So there's a lot of oversight and and that definitely happened. I think one of the crucial turning points was 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 just with Nick and me though. You know, we we've got to believe this stuff ourselves before we can ask the public to believe it. Yeah. And there was a point in the process in twenty eighteen, you know, where after which, you know, one I had had an encounter with Robert Smith and I thought he acted like somebody with something to hide. Uh, then they lawyered up and attacked uh, many of the people they saw were our witnesses. Um, after that point, I ended up talking to a soldier who gave me direct evidence of an allegation anyway that uh, Robert Smith was involved in a, in a war crime. And then soon after that, essentially through Nick, uh, we heard corroborative evidence, you know, and, and that's where this 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 issue settled in our mind where we thought, now how can people in Afghanistan, in the United States, and at various points in Australia all have the same account of a particular mission in Afghanistan in 2012? That is the Ali Jan incident when uh, this Afghan was kicked off a cliff and killed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when the same account was coming from all points of the globe, 
we believed it was true and we believed it was worth fighting for. And I suppose at that stage we were also able to uh, persuade the editors and the lawyers that uh, the story was worth backing. Who was harder to persuade, the editors or the lawyers? Uh, the, <laughs> the lawyers are always harder to, to <laughs> persuade because, um, you know, uh, well, what is required to defend a story in a defamation action is probably ten times greater than what is required to believe it yourself and see that it is a worthwhile news story that the public that's in the public interest. Chris, this one, uh, and you said you've been through defamation uh, suits before. This one took on a life of its own, though, didn't it? I mean, it became bigger than anything we've ever seen before. Yes, that's right. I, I think it's it's a watershed case. You know, it not only ran for 110 days and it cost about uh, $25 million, but it occurred at a time in in the history of the media where we really feel like we're on our knees it would have been a death blow to uh, serious journalism if we'd have lost that one like we've lost so many others. When we often feel that uh, the courts are, are really too tough on us, that they don't take into account public interest factors as much as we would like them to and, uh, and probably have an unrealistic appreciation of what it is that journalists can actually prove. You know, we... It's it's a it's a high volume industry. It's a twenty four hour news cycle. You know, we work very hard. You know, we don't have five years to work out whether something is right or wrong, which is pretty much the way the courts run it. The public uh, gravitated to this story for a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of them, obviously, to do with with Ben Robert Smith and uh, and his public profile and 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 what he'd been painted to be um, by by the media. Um, over over a number of years, um, and you virtually went inside a, a secret society and, and opened that up. Uh, uh, is that why you think the public uh, really gravitated to this story so much? It's interesting. I suppose at one level, it is a sexy story. You know, you've got you've got secret soldiers in intense combat. Uh, you 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 uh, have a, a high profile figure, a Victoria Cross recipient. Um, uh, there, there were so many factors that, you know, I'd sometimes pinch myself and say, you know, you, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so I can understand why the public would take an interest. But on the other hand, I never felt, particularly at the beginning, that they were on our side. You know, uh, the, the sacred digger can do no wrong mantra is a pretty strong one in Australian culture. And so... The um, anger and animosity and disappointment at the revelations uh, were, were quite profound uh, early in the piece. But it's an interesting question because I did think, as you point out, that there was a, a change in mood as time went on. You know, the media is also about public education and there's 100 days in court, you know, with all that reporting, uh, people learned a lot and... Uh, and uh, in fact, you know, I thought it was amazing in a way. Something like forty SAS witnesses ended up giving sworn evidence, and anybody who watched that court process closely would have would have understood more than they could have ever got from reading a hundred books about it. Yeah. But the other thing that happened is that there was something about Ben, you might say. Um, um, you know, was he a, a credible figure? 
I remember people sort talking to me, you know, and they they sort of had doubts. And, and I think that this largely emanated from Ben himself. As I said, that when, when I had the encounter with him, when we had the long interview and he got really angry, I thought he behaved like he had something to hide. And then, of course, through the trial itself, when evidence emerged that, you know, he was using burner phones, you know, he was setting fire to his laptop, you know, he'd, uh, he'd hidden uh, USBs in a, his kid's lunchbox and buried them in a garden. Um, there, there were so many stories that, that made you think that um, this wasn't a person who, who might be trusted in the way that you would wish. And the way that the Australian public had. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he became the object of memes and, and sort of uh, mockery on social media. But for all that, you know, all that time, he also sustained massive public support. I mean, even today, if you look at Facebook, after all the evidence that's been uncovered, you'll still see that there are supporters groups for him that have membership in the thousands. What do you want people to take out of this book? I mean, it's a very detailed uh, account of, uh, of of what happened uh, to uh, in in this process. What, what what do you want people to take out of your book? Well, I a few things actually. Um, one respect, I, I think. Respect for the Australian soldier and the soldiers that had the moral courage to stand up and, and call this stuff out. I don't think it is a bad story for Australian soldiering. Um, I think uh, a close-up look at, at journalism and why it's important, why as a nation we need it. I mean, if if people like Nick McKenzie and Kate McClymont and others don't do this work, who is going to do it? The, the path that the investigative journalist walks is a complicated one. I think there's a lot of black art to what we do. So I felt like this was something that I could do, uh, not only tell the story of how the Ben Robert Smith story was uncovered, but, but also explain the steps that we take along the way to, to validate information. Um, so I think... At a range of levels, there's, there's a lot in the book. And, and one thing to say is that, Kevin, is that um, there's a lot more in the book than even though this might come as a surprise because it's been so well ventilated and covered by media, there's a lot more in the book than than people might imagine. Oh, no, absolutely. The, the detail in it is quite staggering, to be honest. <laughs> Did this case, uh, and I'm not saying that your your belief in this was shaken, but did did, did this case and the outcome, um, you know, make you believe in journalism again, or had you always believed in it the way through you steadfastly? No, no, no. I'm I'm a great believer in journalism and the, the need for good journalism, and it's a perennial disappointment to me that you know we're supposed to be first rate communicators, but we don't well communicate the importance of our own industry. And we're now living in an age where uh, people can be their own gatekeepers. They, many of them feel that they don't need media. They don't need the skills of people like myself. Um, so, you know, I'm sort of unashamedly out there saying, well, I think you're wrong, and, and here's a good example of why I think you're wrong. There's a line, though, between journalism and media. There is a difference. Um, uh, 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 is your fondness for the media still there? 
Oh, my, I have a mixed regard for media. Yep. Um, you know, there was a point where I, I was inducted into the the Media Hall of Fame and I learned on the night that I was inducted into the Media Hall of Fame alongside Alan Jones, who I'd written a scathing book about. Absolutely, you know, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, sh- we share some, some odd uh, bedfellows. Um, I, I, I believe in journalism, you know. I, I believe in facts. I like the process of of refining facts and forming a narrative and and doing so with great respect for the citizens around me. Yeah. Hoping like mad that uh, that what I what I can report on makes sense. I mean I I I don't report in a way that tells people what to do. I just uh, hope that I can give information that assists the process. Everyone and uh, lots of things over the years have tried to kill the kind of journalism that that you do and that you're now famous for. Is social media the the last bastion of trying to kill it off that you're fighting as, as well? Yeah, I, I'm. You know, it feels too often to be a, a malign uh, participant. You know, it feels to me like you're constantly dealing with people putting stuff on the internet at two o'clock in the morning after three-fifths of Jack Daniels and, you know, I hope they regret it the next day. And what's the public worth of that? I know when I was at Four Corners and we did the the internet forums afterwards, I thought the the debates were generally unhelpful. Uh, um, uh, So it's it's a a bad world, I think. You know, it's... uh, it's it's a pity that um, it's clear that you know it's also massively confusing. You know, people, this, this is the point. You know, journalism should clarify. It should explain. It 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 should it should make life easier for us. But I don't think the advent of social media actually does that. It, yeah, it just bewilders us and and sometimes distresses us. Lord Hero is the name of the book, Chris. The truth wins, and it has in this case. And uh, uh, good luck for the future. I know there's a there's a an appeal pending, but uh, but good luck. Let's hope the truth continues to win. Good on you, Kevin. Thank you for the talk. My thanks to Chris. A terrific uh, read. A really fascinating story. And I'm sure you'll get uh, you get a hell of a lot out of having a read of Flawed Heroes out now from Alan and Unwood. My thanks also to our podcast partners, CSCG. If your finances and not where you want them to be, and you would like uh, to know how that picture plays out for you, well, give uh, CSCG a call and have a chat. Double nine seven four eight triple three. Jump on their website, cscg.com.au. Wherever you found this edition of the Authorised Podcast, there's plenty more and some great authors that we've spoken to over the time and some beauties to come in the future. Hope you can join me for the next edition. Until then, read a book. Read Flawed Hero. It's a beauty. And there's plenty more out there to have, have a read of uh, to keep you warm through these winter nights. <laughs>